Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is becoming more confident on the phone with Chris Jolly. Welcome, Chris. How are you? Joe, thank you so much for having me today. I'm, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me. Chris and I prepped for way too long, and I think it was mostly just <laughs> BS, mostly. But he's a great guy. That's what he forced me to blab. Really looking forward to this podcast. If you guys don't already follow Chris Jolly on LinkedIn, please do. He's a great follow. That's kind of how I got to know him. He creates a lot of videos on sales and especially freight sales. And I think that's what his business name is. What, Chris? See Jolly Freight Consulting is the name of the business. But, you know, I go by the freight coach. That yeah, everybody all, knows yeah, the freight everybody coach. Everybody knows me as a freight coach. So please introduce yourself and your company, Chris. Well, you know, my name is Chris Jolly. I am the founder of See Jolly Freight Consulting. And we specialize in sales and operations training within transportation, whether you're on the brokerage side, asset side, or heck, you know what, you're a shipper and you just want a better understanding of how people operate the way that they do in this, we can help you out with that. Yep. And again, if you, even if you don't work with Chris, you got to connect with him on LinkedIn or follow him on LinkedIn because he puts up some great content, a lot of videos, and he really knows this business. It doesn't take long. to follow. You watch a few of his videos and you go, oh, now I get it. So, <laughs> <laughs> so Chris, before we get into the topic, yeah. talk a little bit about where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you started your Sea Jolly Freight Consulting and Freight Coach. No, definitely. So I'm originally from Wisconsin and I'm from a very small town, like 2000 people in Northern Wisconsin. And I uh, ended up going to school at uh, the University of Wisconsin Stout campus in Menominee, Wisconsin. That's where I got my bachelor's degree from. And go you know, Badgers. No, uh, yeah, go Badgers no matter what. We're the, we're the Blue Devils though at Stout. Oh, I, oh, um, I didn't realize that. I thought that was just a no, it, it, I didn't have the grades, Joe, to get into <laughs> Madison. I didn't at all. But, you know, I after I got done with school, I moved out west. I lived in Reno, Nevada for the last nine years of my life. And that's where I got started in logistics. And, you know, I was very fortunate to land with the company that I landed with right away. It was a smaller brokerage out of Gainesville, Georgia initially. And we were eventually acquired by XPO is who we were acquired by back in 2012. And, you know, it was great to be in that environment. I spent a lot of my formative years learning from individuals who had been in this industry for at that time, 20, 25 years. And they taught me the little nuances of what not to do. And I, you know, it, it was it was just so beneficial to have that experience. And then I ended up working for a, a startup at the time. They, you know, they've since grown into a pretty good sized brokerage out in, in Reno as well. And I ended up moving down to Phoenix here this last year. And you wanted more heat? Yeah, I honestly, <laughs> being from Wisconsin, Joe, I was sick of the the winter. Like, I don't want to see. I want to see snow by choice. You know, and I just ended up, we ended up moving down here with my fiance and my son. And earlier this year, like I had chosen 
I, I'd resigned from my job. And I had done that because I wanted to go on the asset side. My whole plan was to start selling freight on the asset side because I'd never done that yet. And my the grand scheme of things, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to make a good play with some assets and then take a run at a senior leadership position here in a few years. And COVID hit. And it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. So you started your businesses because of COVID? I did. I got into it because, you know, like I, I got involved on LinkedIn for the first time in my career earlier this year. Like I was on it, but I didn't have a presence on there. I wasn't following anybody or doing anything. And I just had a lot of people reaching out to me, just kind of asking like, hey, how would you handle this situation? Or I really liked what you said on this topic. I'd love to get to know your perspective on some things. And as much as I would love to do everything I do for free, I got a family to feed. <laughs> so I filed my LLC and I just went into sales and just started focusing on sales and ops training within here. And I just, you know, I, I want to give the real side of this industry. I don't, I'm not going to give some corporate fluff answer to anything. And I want to just help people avoid the mistakes that I've made because there is no shortcut with this stuff. Right. And you know what? It's interesting you mentioned this opportunity arose because of COVID. As bad as it has been, I think there's a lot of people who are kind of running into that same thing where you say, yeah, I would have never done this if it wasn't for COVID, but here I am. So good for you. Yeah, no, definitely. And it was, you know, I think that when I look back on my life, Joe, I can every like, you know, call it tragedy, call it a curveball or a, a fork in the road. It's all, all of like the greatest defining moments of my life came from situations like that. So I finally, like, I'm finally realizing that now. And that, you know, that took some time. Right. Well, that's what some, sometimes you hear that people say success is just kind of surviving a, a series of failures. Yeah, right? of course. <laughs> missteps after missteps. So anyway, great background. So tell us, when did you start your company and who do you serve? Yeah, it's May 1st of this year is when I filed the LLC paperwork. I would say, you know, June 1st of this year was really like when I finally started marketing myself. And, and who are you helping? I'm right now, I'm working with a couple of smaller assets and I'm working with primarily freight brokers right now. And we really just dive in deep on everything in the sales process because, you know, in freight brokerage and then, you know, and I'm finding out with the more assets that I work with, we're dealing with the exact same objection. Same problem. It's the exact <laughs> same objection, three ways, just worded differently. And it's, you know, so like, that's just what, to me, I realized that the more, the more companies that I talk to and the more people that, that I'm coaching one-on-one -on -one here is there is no set way of doing this. And you need to find that, though, in yourself, right? So, Chris, the only good part, I, I shouldn't say good part, one of the <laughs> advantages of when I sold for an asset-based company versus a non-asset-based yep. company is you have a certain number of shippers who will say, do you own your own assets? And you go, no. Okay, I'm not interested. Yep. You know, and then, so when you say, yeah, we have 500 trucks, and I used to always think, and they go, oh, that's great. And then... I always felt like a little voice inside of my head would say, but we're probably not going to be using for your business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's and funny. so I always say that to shippers is you get very excited because they own trucks, but you know what? They're probably going to broker your freight. Correct. They're, they're, exactly. Nobody has enough trucks to be everywhere. I agree, Joe. And that's one of the things that I, you know, work with with my clients on is navigating through these objections because there's no magic sauce or anything. Like you're going to face them, but you need to get comfortable facing them. That every time you make a cold call or a cold email or something like that, you just know how to navigate through it. 
Wait a sec. I had you on my show because you had magic sauce. <laughs> oh, shoot. That's right. False advertising. Sorry. False advertising. <laughs> <laughs> Which brings us to our, our topic today. So we talked about, well, first thing when I talked to you about BMI podcast, I said, what do you help companies do? And the first thing you said was, I help people become more confident on the phone. And I was like, oh, we could all use more of that, right? Yeah. So I thought that'd be a great topic today because I think everybody has struggled at least once or twice when they're on the phone calling up somebody they don't know. Yeah. So let's go through these. We came up with six, labeled six things that you told me. So what is the first thing you should do when you're trying to become more confident on the phone? At the end of the day, you got to be yourself. And that's the first and foremost thing that I always mention to anybody who I'm coaching. And I know it sounds simple and everybody's like, oh, that's just so simple. Like, that's just not true. It is true. You know, people overcomplicate this process and you try and, you know, I could put on a sales voice right now, but I, I refuse to do that. As soon as I walked away and started working for myself, I said, I am 100% going to be Chris Jolly 100% of the time. I'm not going to be corporate Chris. I'm not going to be anything other than myself. And I I've gained headway with that. And I implemented that a little bit later on in my career as well. And it was, you know, the defining moment to me that changed it, Joe, was I was on a phone call once with somebody. I said everything right. Like legitimately everything, all of my experience and industry knowledge came out in that call and they still rejected me. Then a few calls later, I stammered over my words. I couldn't complete a sentence and I laughed at myself and I said, wow. This is me right now. And the recipient started laughing as well. And then they're like, how about we just start over? And I'm like, yeah. And then I removed that and I just went for it. I was myself then and I closed the deal. So explain to me how that doesn't work. <laughs> right. And, you know, when we were talking about this offline, I think that when you're saying be yourself, you know, if, you, if you're boring or quiet, don't, don't be don't be that self. So I think it's yeah. worth saying be your best self, you know, be yes. enthusiastic, be interesting, be, be, you know, be something that is a version of you. Don't, as you said, don't put on the corporate speak because it, yeah. it some, sounds yes. so inauthentic I, I and no one's going to want to talk with you. So I like it. <laughs> and it takes it takes some getting used to it. And when I was young, I was so interested in impressing people. And I remember using words that, <laughs> that yeah. a quarter word where a nickel word would have done. And as soon as you start learning some corporate acronyms, boy, that just is when I was in my 20s and 30s, I was so excited to use them. And then the older I got, the more I realized um Senior management uh, and owners don't talk that way. Yeah. <laughs> every, every time I hear that now, I just, like, just gag me. Like, honestly, that is just, it's just, cor it's just puke is all it is to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember saying in a, a PowerPoint presentation, this goes back like 25 years ago, and it was to senior management and it said synergy. And I remember <laughs> I looked over at my team and everybody's looking at me like, oh, what a dumbass. Yeah. Like, How dare you use that word? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I mean, it fit. It was a good fit, guys, honestly. But they're like, eh, come on, Joe, stop it. Anyway, I love that one. So be yourself, but not just any version of yourself. Be your best self. Be enthusiastic. Be be smiling. You know, be, yeah. be a good version of you. Of course. So what's the second thing? What's the second thing we can do to become more confident on the phone? You know, don't be salesy. I just think that, you know, and this ties back into the first point, Joe, is it's like when you're out there and you're you're trying to push your product or whatever that is, just don't sound inauthentic. And it, like in a lot of our talking points today, Joe, all t are directly correlated to each other, you know? And, right, and, right. and I think that 
when you're out there pushing something and you're just acting in a certain way that is not you at all, right. you know, it's like, the, like, and, and the easiest example I do and I use is the used car. Sale. Everybody knows how used car salesmen act, right? They used to act. They don't do it anymore. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But that's the thing though, is they all act in a certain type of way. And it's like, you just got to find your comfort zone of what, you know, back to being yourself and the best version of yourself is you have like, you have to eliminate that process in your head of thinking you have to, hey, this is Chris. I'm going to talk to you about this revolutionary product. Like you have to remove that. Right. I think and when you think of us, I remember years ago, somebody was selling something and it was, he was a door-to-door guy and he was yeah. very slick. And I remember him saying something to me like, Joe, can you see how this would benefit you? And I was like, and then, <laughs> then he wanted me to answer. And I was like, uh, yeah, I guess. And then he kept saying, Joe, can you see how this would help your life? And I was, and, and I kept thinking, do you think this works? Yeah. <laughs> like, was some, I felt like a dumbass even answering him. It was so stupid. Yeah. And I was thinking, why are you selling this way? Your product is secondary at that point. Your silliness is the first thing you notice. It, exactly. So I, so I totally agree. And it's hard not to get into that mode of always be closing and yeah. have that sales voice, as you called it uh, when we were prepping. Drop the sales voice, be authentic, you know, be somebody who can add value and stop being the sales guy. Yeah. So what's the third one? What's the third thing we can do to become more confident on the phone? You know, I'm going to tie in three and four together, if that's all right with you, because they are completely in line with each other. And that's, you know, to me, it's beware of the sales script. And with that being said, you need to own your elevator speech. So to me, you can tell, like if you've ever received a phone call, you can tell if they're reading off of a script. And if you can't identify that when you're doing it, you need to think about a new career. I just think it's so blatantly obvious, you know, that you need to, and this is always going to tie back into, you just need to be you. And if you're reading off of something, like you can tell because you read differently than you speak freely. Right. So Chris, this is a good example. Are you reading these comments that you're giving me right now? Are you reading them? Did you script it all out? I didn't. I'm shooting <laughs> from the hip. I honestly, but, but it's, yeah. but it's a real conversation. It's obvious. I've had people on my podcast who do read different things yeah. and it's, it, it comes off wrong. None of us are good enough actors to carry that off. Yeah. I agree with that. And then, you know, like with that being said, though, is it's like own your elevator speech, practice it, like get if you're working for a company, whether you're in transportation or not, any sales job that's out there, if they say, here's your script, read off of that, we all use them, but we need to tailor it to make it our own in our elevator speech. You need to remove any of that that is not something you would say, you know, and the, to tie that back into our first point of just being yourself, like you, you don't use words that you would not normally use in casual conversation because that just... I mean, come on. If you want to talk about speaking out of your level and then you start dropping words and you like, and especially if they're ones that you couldn't freely identify or define <laughs> your, in your own. Yeah. That's a problem. Right. Remove those. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think when you look at a script, I don't think all by itself, it's a bad thing to write out of the value proposition and say, you know, here's introduce yourself. You don't have to introduce yourself as corporate said, yep. you know, make sure it's, and I don't think they want you to. It's usually if somebody gives you a script, they want you to make it their own, yes. your own. And so I think, you know, the more, and that we're all different. 
Chris, the way you would make it your own would be different than the way I would make it my own versus, you know, somebody else. So of course we all have to take that script as a starting point mm-hmm. and then make it, you know, own it, as you said. Yeah. So give us the, I think that's the, the third one. Give us the fourth one. What's the fourth thing we can do? Well, yeah, three and four were tied in there with the, uh, the build your, be aware of the script and own your elevator speech. My fifth one is passion. And this is another one that is, people are like, ah, oh, that's just so simple. But it is like you talk differently about things you're excited about as opposed to ones you're being forced to talk about, you know? And to tie that into freight, like, and then I know, Joe, we were talking offline about this is like that niche. You know, you want to find that niche. That niche can, like, you can have your passion outside of work be your passion inside of work and freight. Like, if you're a hunter or you're an outdoorsman or you love to work out, attack that market. Attack that and do the research on these companies because your passion for that hobby of yours will naturally come out in your voice and you will sound excited about that to where you don't just sound like your your recipient is just another number or name on the list that you're just reaching out right. to that day. Yeah, many years ago, I think we uh, had corporate was dispassionate, and you could be, you know, you had to start putting on the the corporate veil when yeah. you started working, right? So you, there would be the outside you and the inside you. Yes, and and the inside you did not get excited, did not bring your passions from outside of work into work, yeah. right? But I think. More and more people want passion. It resonates. And I think it, it doesn't have to, you know, it doesn't also, you could be passionate about adding value. You know, if you say, you know what I love about this business, I love solving problems for people. I've done it a few times. And once I find a big problem and I'm able to solve it, I make a few bucks and they're happy and I'm happy. My boss is happy. You can be passionate about stuff that doesn't have to necessarily be your, your, your outside passion. Of so, course. However you should find that passion, please find it. Exactly. I mean, you're right there, Joe, is that, you know, it doesn't have to be a hobby, you know? Like, I think you summed it up best right there when you're like, if your passion's just helping others and you can identify that, just own that, you know, and run with it. Right. I also just throw this out. This, this is my own personal experience. I never dreamed of logistics. It's not like, oh my God, I love it. <laughs> it's my passion. Come on. Supply chain. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I just dream of supply chains. Nobody grew up saying, I can't wait to become a logistics guy or yeah. a supply chain guy. But once I got into it, I do like solving problems. And what I'm doing right now, I do a lot of podcasting. I get to meet people like you. I'm passionate about the idea that I get to meet people, collaborate with them, create some content and learn a lot about this business. That is that that I'm passionate about. I enjoy doing. I would do it. I, I shouldn't say for free. Yeah, but I know. I would do it. I would. It's. I find it enjoyable. Yeah, that's, I guess my point. I, I'm right there with you. So that's excellent. So that's the fifth one: is be passionate about selling. You bring that passion in, however you got to find it. What's the next one? What's number six? Number six to me is you got to stand out. You guys, like you need to stand out because in any sales job, this isn't just a brokerage, freight brokerage, or a transportation thing. There is competition out there, okay? And, you know, like, you need to find a way to stand out. And whether that, you know, because there's, like, in the cold call process and in the cold email process, the decision maker just doesn't go through and say, hey, this lucky individual today at this company, I'm responding to your email. They don't do that, you know? Or they don't, like, oh, this lucky person right here, caller number 12, they're getting our freight today. That doesn't happen, right? you know? And you need to find a way to stand out. Be unique, all right? 
be unique. And that is like, you know, like for example, when I post my daily videos, that's me being unique. I'm not afraid to do that. I'm I not call a, it becoming a little famous. Yeah, it, there you go. I, I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't like thinking about it that way. But <laughs> no, well, uh, there's a guy who wrote a book about networking, yeah. and he said one of the things he did. It's called Never Eat Lunch Alone, I think, or okay. Never Eat Alone. Yeah, and it's famous networking book. And he said, "I became, you know, this goes back a few years, the ultimate guru in." TQM, Total Quality Management. Yep. So he get to speak at conferences on Total Quality Management. For gets, sure. So I was kind of famous within yeah. you know, geeks who like TQM. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. No, <laughs> and we were all doing it back in the day. Yeah. No, for sure. And I, and I agree with that, you know, and that's something that, you know, and, and I hear it talked about that, oh, I need to start doing videos to send to my customers or I need to send, you know, on LinkedIn, the voice text feature or whatever that is. But people, but you don't do it. And, you know, like there's a reason why some people will find success in sales and why some people won't. Like, obviously, this is a numbers game. What works, you know, and kind of back to what we were talking about earlier, what works for me, Joe, doesn't necessarily work for you. But when you find that, you got to double down on your strengths and you have to mass duplicate that across the board because you're not going to close everybody. Everybody that you call isn't going to take your call. You're not going to get returns on emails and in other forms of solicitation from your prospects. That's just a reality of it. So accept that, but find a way to differentiate yourself from everybody else because everybody sells on the fact that, oh, we have a 98% on time rate. That's BS. You don't. Don't sell on that, you know, or we're going to save you 20%. Don't sell on that. That's what everybody else says, you know, and it's a very common thing that everybody, and I hear this because I speak to a lot of people who are in charge of some fairly large shippers that 98 to 99% of the, the solicitations they get are the exact same thing. Right. <laughs> and uh, we talked about this offline. Uh, my friend Jim Beerfeld did um, yeah. some shipper studies. And he said oh, a lot yeah. of times <laughs> when freight brokers and 3PLs call, he said, they don't understand my business. And I know for a fact that I'm just a name on the list. And they got to call 100 names today and they're calling me. They don't know anything about me. They don't know anything about my business. Mm -hmm. They say, hey, you know, Chris, I can save you 15%. You said, do you know what I do? Uh, let me see. Uh, no, not, not exactly. Yeah. yeah. What do you do again? <laughs> yeah. Why do you know you can save me 15%? Are you that much better than everybody else? You're not. You just need to accept it. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll say it. <laughs> you got to right. find right. You, But you know how you don't have to have price be a, a factor in your convert? Like, okay, let me, before I go off on a tangent, price will always be a factor. That is correct. But you want to position yourself to have your customer not question why they pay you. 300 more dollars a shipment than your competition. They, right. You want to position yourself to when you call a shipper, you're that provider when they say, now nah, we're all good. You're that provider. Right. Chris, I say this all the time on this podcast is when I was young, pre-mobile phones, yeah. <laughs> um, we had the we had these landlines and yeah. the most boring business in the world was the phones that we got. No, there was they weren't differentiated. Nobody cared. It was just phones. Right. <laughs> and and we got call waiting and things. But for the most part, nobody was passionate about their phone. Nobody cared yeah. about their phone. And flash forward. 
Apple made the phone the most interesting thing on earth. And people say, yeah, I slept in the street overnight so I could be the first one to get that yes. new phone. That never happened in the olden days. So somebody, somehow, some way, they made this phone interesting. Yes. And sleeping in the street worthy. And same with uh, coffee. Again, back in the day, no one would pay a premium price for a cup of coffee. Now it's pretty much the norm. Starbucks changed that for everybody. Yep. So people are willing to pay and they'll justify why they pay extra at Starbucks rather than half price down the street. Of course. So one other thing we talked a little bit about offline that I want to talk about here and maybe we already covered it is picking a niche of some sort. Yeah, of course. And I mean, that is legitimately what I tell every single sales rep and company that I work with is we need to identify a niche. And now before anybody gets up in arms, like, but this is a niche to start, okay? You need to find something to actually become an expert in because you cannot convince me that you can quote out refrigerated freight in Dallas, Texas on one call and then over-dimensional RGN freight in North Dakota on the next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can't do it. You know, with all the data in the world. And if you're getting to that point to where you're actually providing quotes for customers, you need to have said something that caught their attention earlier. You're not just going to call people up and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, here, quote this lane out for me. I need this. You know, so it's like finding your niche. And that kind of goes back into like your passion, like what you're passionate about. You know, you can tie all that in. But I just would, you know, because when I'm working with you, we need to identify not only a niche product type or freight, we need to identify a niche region to operate in as well. And to add to that, that's just to start. You need to build up off of that. You cannot cast a net across the United States and expect to gain traction. So a perfect example is you're not, you, even though you've been in sales for a long time, you recognize that your skills and your knowledge is mostly within Freight sales. Yes. So you're you. So you picked. I'm going to help people in the freight business get better at sales. Yes. And you could have cast a wider net and say, I'll help anybody who does B two B sell more. Yep. But you're much better off saying, I'm going to own a piece of a smaller niche that is, by the way, an enormous niche anyway. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's still a niche in its own right. Right. And it's interesting because it's kind of the wrong thinking that people get in, which is, is I don't want to say no to anything. Yeah. And so, you know, when you think you're everything to everybody, you're probably nobody to everybody. Correct. So you, uh, you need to get to the point where you say, I am an expert. And I think it's so powerful to be able to call and say, Hi, the reason I'm calling is because I move a lot of retail freight. I work with Target. We're working with Costco. Yep. And I loved a chance to talk to you about what you guys are doing because I think we could bring a great solution. And that means a lot more than, hey, I, uh, I can do anything. What's your problem? What's your business? I'll fix it. I agree with that. And I remember like the first time it really hit me on this, Joe, I was watching a podcast or listening to a podcast earlier this year. And this individual, I still remember the company name and the person who said this, that we're the best at everything. We can do everything. And they were truly <laughs> trying. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. You know, like a kudos that you're that confident that you think you can do that. And if you can <laughs> execute upon that, by all means, do you, you know, but I will never advise somebody you say that. I never will. One of my good buddies, Chip Humitz, was on my podcast and he was, in, it was the logistics of building a brand. And we grew up together, so good friends. And he talked about building a brand. And I, you don't even have to say this related to a brand, but he said, yeah. when you're building a brand, what you're always looking to do is you're looking for something that's relevant. 
to your customer. So it has to matter. Ownable, meaning I can own this. I can actually deliver on what I'm saying and then be differentiating. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking, you know, that's not a bad way to look at the world. You know, when you're looking at all the people who ship and say, I want to find something that's relevant. So it can't say things that they go, I don't care about that. Yep. (laughs) And then you have to do something that is ownable, meaning what I promised I can deliver on. And then last, the differentiating. Not a bad way to go. No, of course. You know, in, in a way I've chosen, Joe, to differentiate myself against any other sales coach or whatever out there is I'll never call myself an expert, like ever. I'm the type of individual where I'm always trying to learn. All right. And I don't believe in that because I, I almost think that that's off-putting, you know? Right. And like, I don't want to label myself anything. I want people to say that about me though, because I feel like that's a better response. Like, hey, you know what? He is this because this is what he did for us. Right. As opposed to it. me projecting, hey, I'm an expert. Listen to me. Listen to me. And then somebody watches your stuff and they're like, that is complete garbage. You know, <laughs> like you don't know. And, and your stuff's not garbage. I can tell you that. I know. But, you know, with that being said, though, like I'm not afraid to admit that I failed in sales too, though. And I think that's why some of my content resonates with a lot of people is I'm not afraid to talk about the challenges that I've faced. And I just don't agree with ever trying to say like, hey, I'm perfect because nobody is like own your imperfections. Okay. Like it's perfectly acceptable. Yep. Well, Chris, I think the world is getting to that place with all, again, we talked a little bit offline about this, people creating great content videos. Yeah. Even status updates. I've seen like Michael Nemi was on this podcast talking about going after strategic freight and the way I found him is he would write really great status updates. Andrew Kelly does that. People like you, Nicole, Glenn, Nicole Barrett, lots of people are creating great videos. Yep. So, yeah, and a lot of other people are speaking at conferences. I know my friend Ryan speaks a lot. Ryan Schreiber speaks at a lot of conferences. That's what you want to get to. Obviously, a lot of people have podcasts. There's a lot of different ways to start broadcasting uh, what makes you different and better. Of course. I agree with that. What makes you special? So, anyway... Chris, please summarize these great topics or these great, I'm calling them strategies to become more confident on the phone. Definitely. I think a good summary that can tie all of these in to one is that at the end of the day, you guys, people either like you or they don't. Okay. And you need to find yourself when you're selling. You can't go out there and project anything than authentically you. You know, I'd mentioned this earlier. I'm done being corporate, Chris. That will never come out ever again. I will always be the individual you guys hear speaking right now. And I am completely 1000% confident in that. And once you find that in your sales pitch and in your elevator speech and you find your passion and you find a way to not be salesy, you're going to make some serious gains in your life. And it's going to pay off in other aspects of your life as well. Yep. Yep. And I tell you, Chris, we didn't say this, but it's probably the underlying of all this is once you get more experience and you start doing all these things, you're going to gain that confidence. It's going to be very natural. And it's hard to feel confident the first day on any new job. It's hard to feel confident until you make a sale or two. And quite frankly, until you make enough failures, then you feel okay with them. You know, where you say, yep, I I screwed that up, but that's okay. And, and, And like in finding your passion is finding a way to constantly improve. You know, like I always use sports analogies, you know, like Tom Brady still practices the cover three. He's a six-time Super Bowl champion, multiple MVPs, been in the league for 20, seen that a thousand times in his career. He still practices it. So with that being said, 
Sales reps need to practice. They need coaching. And coaching is not a, there shouldn't be a negative stigma attached to that. You Absolutely know? not. Yeah, the best people in the world, the best, the most successful people in the world have coaches, all sorts of coaches. So there's nothing wrong with that. Of course, I agree with that. This is great, Chris. I really do appreciate you taking us through this. Please tell us a little bit what's going on over at your company. Give us a, a little understanding how we can reach out to you. Definitely. LinkedIn is my biggest presence on there. It's just Chris Jolly is the name on that. And then if you want to reach out to me direct, my email is just chris at the freightcoach.com. And I do one-on-one sessions. We can do it over Zoom. As soon as COVID starts to lessen a little bit more out there, I'm more than willing to come on site and work with your, you and your team directly. And that's just one thing that, you know, I guess at the end of the day, Joe, I just want to help people. Like, I'm going to find a way to make this work. And if that is, you know, being able to do that through helping others just makes it so much more special to myself. Excellent. Well, I did love having you on here. And again, if you're not following Chris Jolly on LinkedIn, you're missing out. He creates some great content. You can learn quite a bit just from following him. But even better, give him a call. (laughs) So um, thanks again, Chris, for being on the podcast. Hey, Joe, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your continued support's very much appreciated. Till next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com.